Very good morning to you. Do please take a seat. A while ago now, a friend of mine was coming along to church services regularly. He even joined a Bible study group we were doing here to help people look into the Christian faith for the first time. And time after time, he heard really helpful talks. He saw for himself the Jesus of the Bible. And more than once, I remember thinking to myself, this is it. This will be the day he really gets it. This will be the day he wants to follow Jesus. But time went by, and so did great gospel talk after great gospel talk. And that day, well, it never seemed to come. And I remember thinking to myself, how does anyone ever believe in the gospel? I wonder if you've ever thought that yourself. How does anyone ever believe the gospel? My friend had all the opportunities in the world to get it, but he just never seemed to. In these morning services, we're in a part of Luke's gospel where Jesus is on the road to Jerusalem, where he will go on to suffer and die on the cross. And it is a section full of contrasts and surprises, because there are some people in Luke chapter 18 we might expect to follow Jesus, or people we might expect Jesus to want to follow him. But those expectations are completely flipped on their head. Because it is the people that seem the most unlikely to really get who Jesus is that do. And one of those people is the beggar on the road to Jericho that we read of in Luke 18, verses 35 to 43. He was blind. He could not see. He'd never met Jesus before. He was a social outcast. Yet he is an example of faith. And this story is an illustration of what Jesus needs to do in any of us to get us believing in him. So before we get stuck in, let's pray together. Lord, we do pray that as we come to your word this morning, that you would help us to see more of our need for you, more of the mercy of the Lord Jesus, and how we should respond to it. For Jesus' sake, we ask it. Amen. Please do have your Bibles open to page 878. That will be very helpful as we follow through, read, and look at this uh, account together. Page 878. And here is the first thing that this passage shows us this morning. The need to see. The need to see. Reading Luke 18 from verse 35. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in the front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. This is a vivid scene. You can just imagine it, can't you? The crowd, five or six deep, straining to catch a view of Jesus. There weren't those metal barriers. There weren't those rows of police officers we have to maintain crowd control today. People would have been moving about, I imagine, in every direction. And there is a blind beggar 
sitting, unable to see what's going on, a swirl of noise all around him. He can't really make sense of. He's there in the middle of it. He sat by the roadside, and yet somehow he's completely and utterly on the periphery. But he is desperate, desperate to know what's happening. The crowd tell him, they say, Jesus of Nazareth is coming. They'd heard about the carpenter from Galilee who's become famous for astonishing teaching and miraculous healings. Jesus' fame had spread far and wide. But the irony is that it's the blind man who best sees Jesus for who he really is. Not the crowd, not the disciples who've been with Jesus the whole time. No, it's a blind beggar who sees Jesus better than anyone else. So verse 37, he calls on Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Not Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus, son of David. Our author Luke was writing a careful, constructed account. Surely this was a contrast that he meant for us to spot. Jesus was a descendant of David. David was the great king of the Old Testament. And his family line was the one that was promised that a Messiah would come to save the people. And this blind beggar would have heard about it. He would have known about the miracles of Jesus, what he had done already, what the Old Testament's prophets said that the Messiah would do, and he put two and two together. So this beggar was saying, this isn't just Jesus of Nazareth. This is the Messiah, the Christ, the forever King that we've all been waiting for. This is him. This is the man who will save us. This is what he believed. This is what he knew. No wonder he couldn't help but shout out. But look at the crowd. Well, they're not having any of it, are they? Shut up. Don't bother Jesus. He's not interested in you. I think the blind beggar is irrelevant. But if the beggar shouted loudly before, this time he screams, Son of David, have mercy on me. The beggar knows that if he can just meet Jesus, it could change his life forever. No opposition was going to stand in his way because... He knew his great need. He knew what was true about himself. He was jobless and homeless and poor. And perhaps at the root of it all, he was blind. So he cries out to Jesus, the king he believed had the power to heal him. And he begs, he begs for mercy. And surely this is a picture of what our attitude to Jesus should be and can be. Because it shows us today on the other side of Jesus' death and resurrection that being a Christian involves going to Jesus of our great need and asking him for mercy to deal with it. We have all sorts of needs don't we? All sorts of needs, physical, mental, emotional, whatever they are, 
They are all important to God. They can all be brought to Jesus. What are your struggles? What are your unmet needs right now? Cry out to Jesus with them. This passage does teach us more than that. It certainly doesn't teach us less. We see again and again in the Gospels that Jesus is most concerned with our spiritual needs because the issue at stake spiritually is our relationship with the one true God, starting now, lasting into eternity. So without Jesus, spiritually speaking, we are all poor and blind beggars. We are just as desperate. We are just as helpless. Some of us know all too personally, all too painfully, being blind is miserable. So is life without Jesus, whether we see it or not. Because without Jesus, we're cut off from the God who made us. We're left ruling ourselves. We're left ignoring God. And that leaves us in need because we're all made with an inbuilt desire, an inbuilt need to relate to our Creator. So if you're not yet trusting in Jesus, the greatest need in your life is Jesus and the forgiveness and the relationship that he offers through his work for you on the cross because he is the only way to get you back into relationship with your creator, back into relationship with God. The question is, will you recognize that need in yourself? Most of us here have recognized that we call ourselves Christians, but do we still remember our great need for Jesus? Have our hearts grown cold to his mercy? Maybe beneath everything we think, oh, I've already cried out to God for mercy. I, I get it. I've done that. What's next? What's next in the Christ, Christian life, the Christian walk? But as is often said about the Christian life, the way in is the way on. If you've asked for Jesus for mercy once, you will keep receiving it forever. But we never move on from saying, Jesus, I don't deserve it. We never move on from saying, Jesus, will you have mercy on me? We never move on from saying our need for Jesus. Otherwise, well, what would we be trusting in? Wouldn't we run the risk of trusting in ourselves? Wouldn't we run the risk of moving on from Jesus altogether? This blind beggar didn't just see what was true about himself. He saw what was true about Jesus. Jesus is merciful. Jesus is mercy personified. He is unconditionally merciful to the core. And he offers us mercy. He won't be walking down the Thumberland Street, and it's good that he isn't. Otherwise, some of us might miss him. But he is alive. He is ruling over everything from heaven, and he hears us. He hears us when we talk to him in prayer. So ask Jesus for mercy. You can do that this morning, whether for the first time or the millionth time, and Jesus will listen. He will be merciful. He will hear you. Call to him for mercy. Be aware of your need to see him. Secondly, 
we see the Jesus who opens eyes. Reading from verse 40. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight. The crowd at the time must have been all around Jesus, dozens and dozens maybe even hundreds of people, but Jesus hears the man. He hears him calling, and he takes the initiative to meet this blind beggar. It's hard for us to comprehend the social stigma of being poor and blind in the ancient world. This man would have been on the bottom rung, one of the very bottom rungs of social society. Disregarded, overlooked, uncared for, an unclean outcast. Jesus, of course, could have gone to the man himself. My guess, he just wants to stop in his tracks. He just wants everyone to see what's about to happen. He stops dead. He commands the man be brought to him. The crowd falls silent as this beggar is brought before the loving and compassionate Jesus. We saw two weeks ago how the little children were coming to Jesus. The disciples told them to go away. Surely they weren't important enough to bother Jesus. Jesus said, no. He said, let them come to me. Remember the rich man? He was wealthy and religious. He had everything going for him, but he wouldn't give it up. He wouldn't give it up to follow Jesus. Once again, our author, Luke, is showing us that Jesus has torn up the rule book when it comes to who we think will be in his kingdom and who we think won't be. The wooden spoon contenders are in. The grand slam contenders are out. There's only one team can win the Six Nations Grand Slam this year. It's not England. Sorry, sorry, (laughs) sorry. It's Ireland. Ireland are the only team that can win the Grand Slam this year, as it stands. They play Scotland this afternoon. Scottish hopes are not, not high, nor should they be, of course. <laughs> now I've said this, Ireland will get absolutely destroyed this afternoon, as you all will realise. Ireland are the Grand Slam contenders. Ireland are out. The wooden spoon contenders are in. This blind beggar was another nobody. Yet it's the nobody who really saw who Jesus was. The beggar came with nothing. All he could do was beg for mercy. Yet he is the one who gets everything from Jesus. Do you see? Wealth won't get you into Jesus' kingdom. Success Status won't get you in, neither will being religious, nor will following all the rules. So it doesn't matter where we're from, how much money we have, how clever we are, how much Christian stuff we know, what our job is, what our postcode is. What matters is coming to Jesus. What matters is begging him for mercy. And at the end of the day, 
isn't that all that really matters? Because Jesus shows us that it's the only criteria, the only criteria for relationship with him. So do we believe this? Do we believe this or do we tell ourselves, oh, well, they won't quite understand the gospel. I'm I'm not sure they're going to fit in around here. I'm I'm not quite sure they'll fit in. Jesus turns it all on its head. He exposes all of that for what it is. Nonsense. Nonsense and pride. Jesus turns all our expectations, all our perceptions upside down. We see it again and again and again in Luke's gospel. Who does Jesus show mercy to? The poor, the humble, the lowly, the nobodies. Why? Why? To bring home to us our utter dependence on Jesus for membership of his kingdom. And to get rid of any sense, any little bit of us that thinks it's got anything at all to do with us. Anything at all to do with our success, or pride, or sense of achievement, or values. Friends, you can't bank on anything to get you into God's kingdom but Jesus. So save yourself a whole lot of trouble. Don't even try. Bank on Jesus. And let's be a church that lives like we really believe this when it comes to sharing the gospel with other people, when it comes as well to relating to one another. Jesus looks at this poor, blind, helpless beggar. In verse 41, he asks him, what do you want me to do for you? How can I help you? How can I, the king of everything, meet your need? The beggar wants to see, and he truly believes that Jesus can heal him. So he replies, Lord, let me recover my sight. And with no hesitation at all, Jesus says, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. Literally, that means your faith has saved you. And like the flicking of a light switch, the man's sight is restored and he can see again. The blind man, he wanted physical healing, but Jesus tells him he's also been healed spiritually because his spiritual eyes were open to seeing who Jesus was. And Jesus had the authority to save him based on who he is, God's son, the Messiah, and based on what he would go on to do, die on the cross to get everyone, people like you, people like me, back into relationship with God. And the cross is the guarantee that God, that Jesus will still be merciful. So turn to Jesus. Ask Jesus for mercy. And he will heal you spiritually by forgiving you on the basis of what he has done on the cross for you. See, it doesn't matter what situation you're in. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how many times you've done it. If you come to Jesus and ask for his mercy, you will receive his mercy. He will accept you and forgive you and get you into a lasting relationship with him. This is great news. 
It is wonderful gospel news. Maybe you're here this morning, you're not ready to ask Jesus for mercy. You're not sure about all of this. You're still thinking about things for yourself. If so, that is okay. Why not ask Jesus to help you see who he is? To see why he's worth following. Sure, it's at least worth asking him that. Worth asking him to open your eyes. For those of us here who are Christians, Remember that question I asked at the beginning, how can our friends and family ever understand the gospel? You asked yourself that. Well, only Jesus can open blind spiritual eyes to him. Only Jesus can save people. Even the disciples with Jesus every step of the way, even they couldn't work it out for themselves. We're running a Christianity Explored course at the moment helping people discover more about Jesus. We've got an invitation service this evening aiming to do the same thing. Both our universities in the city have done a week's worth of events about the Jesus of the Bible. Any faith, any faith as a result of that or anything else in this church, in this city, is given by Jesus and not by us. It's based on his initiative, his mercy, his power. Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one who gives sight to the blind. So we need to ask him to do what only he can do. We need to pray to the Jesus who can open blind eyes. Thirdly, finally, the right response to seeing. Verse 43. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God and all the people when they saw it. Give praise to God. The blind beggar could have shuffled off to try and begin a new life on his own. His newfound sight, well, that might have given him new opportunities, maybe a job, an income, an escape from poverty. But faith in Jesus had transformed him. So instead of heading off to become the master of his own life, he submits himself to Jesus and he follows him. And again, surely this is a picture of the Christian life. Following the one who has helped you. Following the one who has saved you. And letting any of our ambitions, any of our desires fall secondary to that. When I was preparing this sermon, I thought, how many of us do this already? What examples you are to me. What encouragement that is to one another. Some of us could have more prestigious careers, more money, more time, more energy. But we've long given up those things and more to serve Jesus, to serve one another. Many of us hold our ambitions lightly. Because our greatest ambition is to follow the one who saved us. Praise God. Praise God for that work among us. And let's keep on encouraging one another to keep going in following Jesus. To keep obeying him. And to keep striving and working to do that better as we follow Jesus together. And true faith means we'll glorify. We'll praise God. If we understand 
that we've done nothing, but Jesus has taken the initiative to heal us, we will overflow. We will be full of praise because we'll know that he has done something so utterly miraculous in our lives, something we were helpless to do ourselves. If we understand and see that Jesus is capable of saving everyone and anyone, whoever they are, whatever their life looks like, rich, poor, lowly or impressive, we will be full of praise because we know that he has done something utterly miraculous in their life, something we could never have persuaded them to do, something that must be utterly of God and completely from God. And if we're slow to praise God for what he's done in us, for what he's done in other people, we need passages like this to remind us of the right response to seeing, the right response to seeing our Savior, King Jesus. Because it's all based not on who we are, not on what we've done for God, but on what Jesus Christ has done for us. It's based on what King Jesus offers us if we haven't received it already. Mercy and healing and the opening of our eyes to see who he really is. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus who came to show us your mercy and your compassion. We pray that we would be aware of our great need for mercy and we ask that we would have confidence in that. And when we ask for it and mean it, you will always have merciful, always be merciful to us. Thank you that you delight to open the eyes of the spiritually blind. We praise you that you can work that miracle in anyone and everyone. Please give us a greater, a more mature belief in that. And we ask for a greater trust that the power of your salvation comes only from you, not at all from us. We pray that this truth would move us to follow and glorify you with all that we are, today and forever. And for Jesus' sake we ask it. Amen.